Welcome to A Bigger Life, where you can break through the distractions, stop, listen, and speak to God in prayer. I'm Dave Cover. I want to help you use the Bible as your conversation with God so you can live a bigger life. Today we're going to look at Psalm 69. This is an unusual psalm in many ways because it's one of those psalms that seems to be a favorite of the New Testament authors, certainly also seems to be a favorite of Jesus. And again, it's weird to think that when we read the Psalms, most of them were written thousand years before Jesus was born. And at least all of them are written centuries before Jesus is born. And it's interesting to think that Jesus favored the Psalms. We can tell that he prayed through them, he read through them, he had them memorized by heart. At least we know that he had certain psalms memorized because he quotes them verbatim at certain occasions in his life. And and this psalm is one of those psalms that Jesus actually quotes. And it's quoted by the Apostle Paul. It's quoted by the gospel writers. All different parts of this psalm are quoted by these writers. And it's quoted by Peter as we read Acts chapter 1. And so it's a psalm of David. And in this psalm, David is... We use the term overwhelmed, and there were circumstances in David's life that were highly stressful. They were uncertain how the future was going to turn out. He did have a promise from God that he had been anointed king and that God was going to use him to shepherd his people Israel, yet the circumstances in his life seemed like they were the opposite of that, and they seemed a real threat to his life itself, let alone the promise that he would be king. David's life was intense. I don't think most of our lives are near as intense as David's life was. Some of you are going through very intense times, but all of us go through times when we just can't get certain circumstances off our mind, whether it's problems in relationships or problems at work, problems in family, problems with kids, problems in marriage. There are oftentimes in our lives when we just can't get our mind off of our worry, anxiety, fear of the future, fear of what is going to happen tomorrow or today. And we really don't know. And we don't have a promise from God that this particular circumstance is going to work out the way we want it to work out. And it gets overwhelming sometimes. And this is a great psalm to pray in those times. I think it was a favorite of Jesus and Paul and the gospel writers, a favorite of Peter, because for good reason, people resonate with it. David is praying something in this psalm that I think all of us at one time in our lives or another, and usually another, a lot of times, can relate to it. And I think there's three lessons we can learn. Let me just say this before we get into it. Three things we can learn what David does in his times of being anxious, overwhelmed with worry, he does this. He first thing he does is he gets really honest with God about his feelings. The second thing he does is in, in those times of anxiety and fear and being overwhelmed, he looks up vertically. He doesn't just handle life horizontally. All the things we're concerned about usually are horizontal concerns. And David takes those horizontal concerns vertically in prayer, in praise, in confession of his sin. 
The third thing he does, and he does this usually at the end of almost all of his psalms, is he puts all of these circumstances and he puts his life back into God's bigger story for David. And I think we can learn from that. The first verse of this psalm, David says, Save me, O God. I've said this before, but often those kinds of phrases, they're just so basic, but in their basic simplicity, they're profound. To say it out loud to God, save me, O God. That word save, as I've said before, doesn't just mean die and go to heaven. In fact, it doesn't mean die and go to heaven. It means deliver me, rescue me, restore me. Heal me. This is ultimately what salvation is. But I don't think David is ultimately thinking of ultimate salvation here. I think he's just asking God to save him, help him. He says, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. Now, we know right away when we read a a sentence like that, we're going to have to use our imagination because David is speaking in very imaginative words. He is using a picture in his mind to describe his literal circumstances. So, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for God. More in number than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause." Now, that's the phrase that Jesus quotes in John fifteen twenty five. You can tell Jesus resonated with this psalm, and certainly his circumstances mirrored the circumstances of David in many ways. I think the lesson I want to get from this is that I have to use imaginative language often in my prayer to God because the imaginative language gets me into my emotions it gets me more into the soulishness of my who I am and I engage my circumstances in my soulishness in my imagination to see these things and I've said this before but I think it's important that to get dramatic in our language with God helps us get more real in how we feel with God at some point in David's life, maybe often, he must have experienced what it was like to be overwhelmed with flooding waters, whether he was in a situation in the Mediterranean Sea where the water was overwhelming him and he wasn't sure he was going to not drown, or other places, rivers, circumstances in his life that were literally being uh, maybe sinking in mire and there is no foothold. He knows what he's talking about here and he's describing what he feels with highly imaginative language. Waters have come up to my neck. I sink. There is no foothold. I have come into deep waters and the flood sweeps over me. We might just simply say I feel overwhelmed. But I think it's important for us to learn to to, to express ourselves deeper than that, more illustrative than that. Words that describe our honest feelings, and they, they describe how we feel in this circumstance. And one place that we can be honest, in fact, one place we must be honest about how we feel is with God. Otherwise, we hold it in or we lash out almost in ways that doesn't, the circumstances don't warrant our overreaction. We're holding things in and we lash out at people. 
but the place we need to take our honest feelings is to God. I am weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. And he's honest with God about the sense that he doesn't sense the presence of God in a time that he feels like he's drowning. More in number than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause. Now, again, Jesus liked that particular verse. He says it. And I think that it's interesting that Jesus liked this language. He felt this language. So David takes these feelings vertically and he prays to God and he confesses his sins to God. He says in verse 13, but as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord, to you, Yahweh, to you, he is the I am. As for me, my prayer is to you, Yahweh, at an acceptable time, O God, in the abundance of your steadfast love, answer me in your saving faithfulness. Now notice the language here. He is ascribing to God things that he is important for him to believe about God in this circumstances. In this circumstance, in the abundance of your steadfast love, answer me in your saving faithfulness. Deliver me from sinking in the mire. Let me be delivered from my enemies and from the deep waters. Let not the flood sweep over me or the deep swallow me up or the pit close its mouth over me. Now just listen to this language. I mean, he is definitely expressing how he feels. Answer me, O Lord, for your steadfast love is good. According to your abundant mercy, turn to me. Draw near to my soul. Redeem me. Ransom me because of my enemies. Now just listen to that language. And again, you can see why this is a favorite psalm of Jesus, of Peter, of Paul, of the gospel writers, because the language here it's like handles to hold on to in times where we feel overwhelmed. What are the handles you're going to hold on to when the waters are starting to sweep over you? Well, the handles that David is holding on to are things he knows are true about the I am. The abundance of his steadfast love, his saving faithfulness, that his steadfast love is good and he has abundant mercy. David says, according to your abundant mercy, turn to me. Answer me, O Yahweh, for your steadfast love is good. These are handles he's grabbing onto as he looks vertically in these horizontal floodwaters. Verse 18, draw near to my soul. You ever say that to God? Draw near to my soul. Redeem me. Redeem my situation, redeem my relationships, redeem my reputation. Verse 19, my foes are all known to you. Reproaches have broken my heart so that I am in despair. Verse 5, oh God, you know my folly. Now he's confessing his sins. He's admitting he's not innocent here. You know my folly. The wrongs I have done are not hidden from you. Let not those who hope in you be put to shame through me, O Lord, Yahweh, God of hosts. Let not those who seek you be brought to dishonor through me, O God of Israel. David is praying here, confessing his sins, admitting his sins, and asking God not to bring shame on those who have 
trusted in him, depended on him, tied their wagon to his wagon train, tied their story to his story. He's praying that God would not give his enemies permission to bring shame upon them because of David's sin. It's a great prayer for us to pray, not just thinking of ourselves and our sins, but the way our sins have damaged others, the way our sins have hurt those who have tied their story to our story. We all have high stakes in each other's lives. Our sins affect others and how we deal with our sin affects others. Whether we confess these sins or not, David is confessing his sins. He's looking to God. He's holding on to the handles of who God is and he's being very honest about his feelings and he's being very honest about his sins and he's praying to God knowing the stakes are high in how his sins affect other people, he's praying to God that God would not let his sins bring shame to others. See, how we deal with our horizontal circumstances that bring despair, bring a broken heart, like David says, make us feel like we're being drowned with our circumstances, how we deal with that vertically affects all those around us. So David brings all of his pain, all of his sin, his overwhelming circumstances back into God's bigger story for his life. He says in verse 29, but I am afflicted and in pain. Let your salvation, O God, set me on high. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. What David is doing is in his circumstances, he's praising God. We don't feel like praising God in our circumstances that are feeling overwhelming, but that's what David is doing. He's hitting that switch. He's lifting up his eyes and he's putting his circumstances and he's putting his life back into God's bigger story for him. I will praise the name of God. I will praise the name Yahweh. I will magnify him and give thanks to him. Verse 32, let you who seek God, let your hearts revive because you're, you're remembering who God is. You're holding on to the handles of his steadfast love and his goodness and his saving faithfulness. And you're asking him to draw near to your soul. And you're holding on to the handle of his power to redeem your circumstances. So you who seek God in these overwhelming times, let your heart revive because God's salvation will set you on high. The last verses, let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and everything that moves in them, for God will save Zion. Now Zion has become this metaphorical word for heaven, the presence of God on earth, the people of God. God will save his kingdom and build up the cities of Judah. All this language is figurative for all the people of God. We are all part of Israel through Christ. We are all sons of Abraham, daughters of Abraham through Christ. We are all people of Zion through Christ. And people shall dwell there and possess it. The offspring of his servants shall inherit it. And those who love his name shall dwell in it. David is remembering the promises of the ultimate kingdom of God through Abraham, through his seed. All the nations on earth will be blessed and he will inherit the earth. 
He will inherit the land that Paul says was a promise to inherit the entire world. This is the bigger story of God redeeming this world through resurrection because of Jesus' resurrection, redeeming our lives because of Jesus' resurrection, giving us his resurrection. We'll have our own resurrection. This is the bigger story of the kingdom of God, the salvation of God. Let heaven and earth Praise him. We shall dwell. The offspring shall dwell and inherit all this. Those who love his name shall dwell in this promise. And we're remembering this promise and putting our circumstances and our life and our sins and our story and our failures and our overwhelmed feelings back into this story. Now, when we take all this, we're praying the exact same prayer that Jesus prayed. I mean, Jesus read this psalm and prayed this psalm. Paul did, Peter did, the New Testament Christians did, and it's a it's an amazing thing. I mean, it's just to have in my hand the very same prayer that Jesus had in his hand that he used to pray is a it's an it's a really cool thing i don't know how else to say it it's something that inspires me to want to use it to pray to want to use this psalm to connect with god the i am with jesus himself that i can pray right now to the jesus that lived 2000 years ago and use this psalm to pray i can pray save me oh god save me just to say it save me Oh God, for the waters have come up to my neck. God, you know my circumstances. You know everything beyond even what I know. The things that I don't see that are threats to my life, the things that I don't see that threaten my well-being, the people that I don't hear that are speaking bad about me. You know it all. The spiritual enemies that are trying to bring ruin and destruction to the things in my life, to my life, to people I care about in my life. You know it. You see it. I don't. But they are more in number than the hairs of my head. And so are my sins. And I pray that you would forgive me of my folly, my sins. You know my folly. You know my sins, the wrongs, that I have done, they are not hidden from you. They are more than the hairs of my head and they overwhelm me like waters who have come up over my neck. I sink in a deep mire of my sins where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters and the floods of my sins, the floods of my circumstances that overwhelm me sweep over me. And I am weary, and my throat is parched, and my eyes grow dim. But I look up to you, O God. I look up to you as the God who is a God of abundant mercy. According to your abundant mercy, turn to me. Answer me, Yahweh, O Lord, for your steadfast love for me is trustworthy and faithful and good. I pray that you would draw near to my soul, draw near to my heart, my mind, draw near to my soul. Make your face shine upon me according to your abundant mercy and according to your steadfast love. Draw near to my soul in your saving 
faithfulness, in your abundant, steadfast love. And I pray that you would redeem me, redeem my soul, redeem my life, redeem my circumstances, redeem my relationships, redeem my family, redeem my reputation, where my folly has ruined it, where my foes have ruined it, redeem my relationships that my foes have ruined, spiritual foes, and that my own sin has ruined. My prayer is to you, the I am, the creator of the universe. All that exists has been created by you. My prayer is to you, the author of life, the giver of all life, the I am. My prayer is to you, the one who is infinitely present with me right now, 100% focused on me right now, and you know all my situation better than I do. All the wrongs I have done are not hidden from you, and all those who want to do me wrong and do me harm are not hidden from you. You are the I am, and you are infinitely present, and you are infinitely focused on me. And you are the one who redeems. You are the one who gives life. You are the one who resurrects from the dead. You recreate. You renew. You restore. You heal. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. O Lord, God of hosts, Yahweh, the I Am, the God Almighty, the Most High, Let your salvation, O God, set me on high. Your restoration, your presence in my life by your Holy Spirit, let your salvation set me on high. For I am afflicted and I am in pain. Reproaches have broken my heart so that I am in despair. But I pray according to your abundant, steadfast love and your saving faithfulness. I pray that you would deliver me from the sinking in the mire. Let me not be delivered into the hand of my enemies, but let me be delivered from my enemies and from the deep waters. Let not the flood sweep over me or the deep swallow me up or the pit close its mouth over me. But draw near to my soul, ransom me, Redeem me according to your abundant mercy. Turn to me. Make your face shine upon me. Be gracious to me. Bless me, O Lord, for your steadfast love is good. I praise your name, the Most High. I praise your name, God Almighty. I praise your name. You are the I Am, the giver of all life, the source of all that exists, always present in my present tense. I praise your name and I magnify you with thanksgiving. I give thanks to you that you give me this psalm of Jesus, the the psalm that Jesus prayed, the psalm the apostles prayed, the psalm of David, written by David, written by your Holy Spirit. You give it to me to come to you and to pray words that you want to answer. 
prayers that you give me to pray to you because these are the prayers that you want to answer in my life. And so I magnify you with thanksgiving for your abundant mercy. I magnify you with thanksgiving for your steadfast love. I magnify you with thanksgiving for your salvation. Let your salvation, O God, set me on high. Revive my heart. Let heaven and earth praise you. Let those who love your name dwell in your redeemed heaven and earth forever. This is the story you have brought me in. This is the bigger story you have for my life. Jesus cling to this psalm. The apostles cling to this psalm. And I cling to this psalm 2,000 years later. You inspired David to write this psalm 3,000 years ago. And these words are words that I put on my lips now. And I pray, save me, O God. Let your salvation set me on high. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.